Today's scripture is Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and with rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Good morning, East Point Church. My name is Pasquale Thetford. I serve as a deacon here at East Point Church. And uh, I want to say welcome. Thank you for joining us. This morning over the live stream, uh, we are continuing our series, uh, Psalms for the Season. We have heard the word of the Lord read in our hearing. Let us pray and go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you this morning uh, for your word. And God, we thank you that your loving kindness is better than life. God, I ask that you would, you would speak through me this morning. Speak to your people, encourage us, remind us of your loving kindness, lead us to Christ, that we may find hope in our pressing current situation. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. In 2011, Jay-Z and Kanye West released a song called No Church in the Wild. With the song title like this, you would, would assume that the lyrics wouldn't be something that you would sing in church. Uh, this is no surprise. I bring this up not to take us down the memory lane of their Jay-Z and Kanye West, their, uh, their songs, but what is important is that the people of God always know that wherever, whether it's the wilderness or the big city, we are not too far out of the reach of God. Wherever you find God and his people, you will find this church. So here we find David in Psalm 63, thousands of years before Jay-Z and Kanye West uh, would release their song. You have David in the wilderness having church. You could easily title this psalm, Church in the Wild. What we find in Psalm 63 is that David is crying out to the Lord in desperation. Psalm 63 serves as a psalm for those who find themselves suffering, cut off from the normal means of worship. This is a fitting song for us in our current pandemic. This is a fitting song for those, uh, anyone that's desperate and in need. The title or the, the super, superscript of this psalm is incredibly helpful in helping us understand the context and the setting of, of where David is writing this song. The title reads, A Psalm of David When He Was in the Wilderness, of Judah. David was writing this psalm while he was uh, fleeing from his son Absalom, 
The story is found in 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 18. David was accustomed to running. This wasn't his first rodeo. He ran from Saul. He hid and ran from the Philistines. But I'm sure David never imagined, he could have never dreamed that his own son, his own flesh and blood would be out to kill him. This is the situation David finds himself in when he pens this song. David and his men running, running from his son, seeking to take his life. This morning, I think we, we see two major movements, two transitions of David in this song. David tra- changes dramatically from verse 1 just to verse 3. He's found thirsting in verse 1 and is satisfied with rich food in verse 5. He's fainting in verse 1, and somehow he has strength enough to cling to God in verse 8. How does David get out of this situation he finds himself in in verse 1? Again, there's two transitions of David in this song. First, we see that David goes from suffering in the wild to worshiping in the sanctuary in verses 1 through 5. And secondly, David goes from reflecting on faithfulness to following his Redeemer. First, we see David suffering in verse 1. David uses repetition to magnify the severity of his suffering. David goes from thirsting to fainting. What I love about David here is that he knows what he needs and he knows where to get it. When you read verse 1, do you have the thought, wow, I don't, I don't desire the Lord like that. I'm not seeking the Lord. I, I wouldn't describe it as thirsting and fainting for the Lord. Is that where you find yourself this morning? Could it be that you are feasting on what cannot satisfy? We fill our souls with entertainment and ways to escape rather than pursuing the Lord. David has a desire he knows only God can satisfy. You see, David long ago arrived at the conclusion that the Lord was his help. David here longs for the presence of God. He isn't lazy or passive in seeking the Lord. In verse 1, that word earnestly could also be translated early. Early I seek you. David is putting everything he has into seeking the Lord. The major transition of this psalm seems to fall on verses 2 and 3. What David saw in the sanctuary changed his outlook and perspective. David went to the very place he knew he could find the Lord in the sanctuary. Keep in mind the context of this psalm. David is in the wilderness. There's no sanctuary in the wilderness. There's no, no church in the wild, right? We just, we just covered that. Jay-Z and Kanye West have, have made that clear. David didn't have access to Zoom or Facebook Live. He couldn't live stream worship or listen to his favorite priests on iTunes. So if David doesn't have physical access to a sanctuary, where is the sanctuary that he speaks of in verse 2? David employs the very last bit of what he has to seek the Lord. David employs memory to recall the presence of God as if he were in the sanctuary. David brings back to mind seeing the Lord and seeing the power and glory of the Lord. Don't miss how how important this is that David is going into the sanctuary of his heart to find the Lord. We are so connected. I, I think a lot of times we can miss how important this is. We, we have at our fingertips songs, the Bible, conferences, seminary courses, 
We're, we're overloaded with opportunities and access to meet with the Lord or to be encouraged. David needed to hear from God, and he found himself in the wilderness apart from any traditional means of worship. David was a man determined to be in the presence of the Lord, even though his current situation limited him from being in the temple. In Psalm 63, we see David look, seek, remember, meditate, and cling to the Lord. David is using every inch of his being to get closer to the Lord. So what does David see in this sanctuary that shifts him to praise? What David sees is the steadfast love of God. This phrase comes from the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed is translated in the Old Testament as mercy, kindness, pity, faithfulness, love, loving kindness, and grace. This, this unfailing love of God is the driving force that changed David's disposition. David recalls God's power and glory in verse 2, which are amazing to behold, but what sends David into exuberant praise is God's hesed. The Lord's power and glory are a frightening sight to behold without the hesed of God. It's God's mercy to David and to us that he would even reveal himself to us. What led David to this praise was the mercy extended to him. Greater than the circumstance of his suffering was the fact that the Lord was merciful in not giving David the punishment that he deserved. And he also committed himself to David in covenant faithfulness. In 2 Samuel 7 is where you can find the covenant that God establishes with David. The promise would be that he would have a son to sit on his throne forever. That a descendant from his body would set up an everlasting kingdom. And this hesed, this loyal love of the Lord is the undergirding, uh, this is the foundation of this, con this, this covenant with David. God's faithful, unfailing love is what David saw in the sanctuary. This is what revived David. This is what brings him into praise. David did not deserve to be refreshed by the Lord in this way. David was well aware of his adultery and murder and other sins. But the mercy and grace of God forgiving him and keeping the covenant intact was life-giving for David. God's unfailing love leads David to say that his love is better than life. David's fleeing from Absalom, his son, was severe, but what David recognized was that without the mercy and kindness of the Lord, Absalom's wrath would pale in comparison to the wrath of God. This led him to commit his life to the praise of the Lord. First of all, consider how grand a statement it is to say that the steadfast love of the Lord um, is better than life. Consider all the experiences one can have in life. Consider all the pleasures and joys one can have in life, and David is saying that the love of the Lord is better. Paul picks up on this truth in Philippians 1.21 when he says, for, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The continual refrain of Psalms 118 is that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. So at the very least, we must say that the Lord's love is eternal. One might think that God's love being eternal is easy to understand. If God is eternal, why wouldn't his love be eternal? 
but it's when you understand that those that God loves are easily, uh, can be hated and should be punished for their sins, that's when you begin to understand the unfailing love of God. You know, when God wants to communicate his love to us, when he wants to communicate his hesed, he chooses the prophet Hosea to communicate that to Israel. He tells Hosea, go and choose a prostitute to marry and to have children with. Go and choose a woman that her very nature is to be unfaithful to you and commit yourself to her. And this is the picture that he sets out for Israel, and this is the picture he sets out for us, is that God's love for us is continually faithful. But we, throughout the Bible and throughout our own lives, can attest to the fact that we have been faithless. David doesn't merely say that the love, of Lord, the love of the Lord is eternal. He says it's better. This means that the love of the Lord is greater than the suffering that David was experiencing. The love of the Lord being eternal means that nothing can separate us from the love of God. This is what Paul declares in Romans 8 and verse 38. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. For David, not even his own son attempting to take his life could separate him from the love of the Lord. And this love for David was undeserving. He, didn't, he, didn't, uh, he wasn't deserving of this blessing. It came by mercy and grace. This is the love that led David to commit his life to the Lord. David could see that the Lord was still committed to him. The question I have for us this morning is, would be, where is your sanctuary? We've all heard of that hypothetical situation of being dropped off in a desert or on an island um, with nothing. And the question would be, what book are you taking? What musical album you know, would you take with you? But what if you were dropped in the wilderness with nothing, just you? No smartphones, no anything. Could you worship God by recalling his goodness to you? What songs would come to mind to seek to praise and glorify God in the midst of your trials? What verses are stored up in your heart that you would cling to? Is the only way that you're able to worship God dependent upon being physically in a sanctuary or watching a live stream? I think about those that, that have died from coronavirus, many dying in a hospital alone, unable to, to have visitors. Could you worship God alone in that situation? David was able to recall the presence of God in the sanctuary because he had actually spent time with the Lord. David had a memory bank of God's faithfulness to him, readily accessible from times of singing, praising, and meditating on the Lord. We need to take advantage of every, our everyday opportunities to worship the Lord. And so we see David has gone from suffering in the wild to worshiping in the sanctuary of, of his heart and his mind. David, in verse 4, commits to praising the Lord as long as he lives. David is focusing on the Lord and not his circumstances. His praise is tangible. You see in verse 3, he's praising God with his lips, and in verse 4, with his hands. Now, I, I don't want to be a legalist when it comes to um, influencing how people should worship the Lord, but I think there should be some song, some verse, some 
some thought that comes to mind. And when you meditate on the goodness of the Lord, it leads you to raising your hands in praise. It leads you to singing passionately. It leads you to bursting out in shouts of joy. There have been a few occasions where I have been so moved by the grace and love and the mercy of God shown towards me that I've bursted into shouting. In those moments, I, I cannot contain it. It doesn't, happen, it doesn't happen often, but if there was one song that brings me to that, that joy, it is in Christ alone. Each verse of that song for me is powerful. And more so than the words itself is the sanctuary in my mind and heart where that song resides. And Christ alone reminds me of one of the sweetest times of my life as a believer. Everything was new. Scriptures seemed to jump off the pages. Every song hit me to the core. I was a part of a community of believers that were in unity. There were definitely problems and situations to deal with, but the praise of my God and all that he had done for me overshadowed the hardships that I experienced in those times. And so I ask you, what track list recalls to mind God's faithfulness to you? May you make your home a sanctuary. May you make your car a sanctuary. Ultimately, I pray you be building a sanctuary to the Lord in your heart. I want us to hold, again, in tension the context of this psalm. David is running from his own son. He's found writing a psalm, a, a, a song and, and a prayer while hiding. This is important because what we see in David is a man choosing to focus on what will be true forever. Losing his life was a real concern, but that would be short-lived. When we praise the Lord, we are focusing our hearts on what will be true forever. Coronavirus won't be here forever. Republicans and Democrats won't be here forever. For David, he wouldn't be running and hiding forever, but the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. So when the Bible tells us in Luke 21 and 14 to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, what greater thing is it to set your mind on than the worship and praise of our God? This is what we will be doing in heaven, praising our Lord in Revelation 19, in verse 1, it says, After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. When you praise God, it's the most truthful thing that you're doing because likely, if what you're saying is biblical, if what you're reading is biblical, if what you're praying is biblical, those things are eternally true. I hope our perspective around worship can shift to this mindset of that when we are worshiping, we are focusing our minds on what's eternal. This church building won't be here forever, but the praise of our God will be. Your problems and your trials and your suffering don't deserve your full attention. God does. This isn't escapism or an excuse to not fulfill your responsibilities. This psalm is sandwiched with the reality that David was in a tough situation. You see in verse 1, he's thirsting and fainting for the Lord. You see in verses 9 through 11 that David has enemies. He has those that are seeking to take his life. David is not removed from the reality of what he is going through, but yet in the middle of this psalm, David is praising the Lord. David is choosing to, to focus and prioritize the praise of the Lord versus his situation. The protection that we have from the Lord is that 
He is powerful enough to deliver us. His love is strong enough to keep his word. So therefore, we don't have to worry about our, our circumstances. Again, this isn't abdicating responsibility. It's focusing on the priority. God's unfailing love allows us to prioritize his praise, not our circumstances. This is the point of the story of Mary and Martha, found in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I want to read that for us this morning. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Notice that Martha was anxious and troubled, but you know who wasn't? Anxious or troubled, Mary. When you choose to focus on the Lord, you can have peace. Are you worried about sending your kids to school? I know from our household, that was a big, a, a big uh, decision to be made. Consider sitting at the feet of the Lord in worship. Are you concerned that neither presidential candidate seems viable? Sit at the Lord's feet in worship. Have you lost your job and are unable to pay your bills? Set your mind on things above. God will take care of that if you focus on him. Are health concerns threatening to take your life? The steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. Looking back at Psalm 63, let's look at what the second movement, uh, let's look at the second movement we see here in David. In verses 6 through 8, you see David go from reflecting on faithfulness to following his Redeemer. David's praise turns into meditation in the night in verse 6. David reflects the heart of a man that is pursuing the Lord at night regardless of his circumstances. What isn't clear is whether or not he's up intentionally in the middle of the night or if his circumstances make it hard for him to sleep. But either way, David doesn't waste a single opportunity to meditate on the goodness of our God. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher in expounding on Psalm 63 says this, we see best in the dark if we there see God best. I can imagine David lying down and looking up in the midnight sky and wondering and thinking to himself, how in the world did I end up here? Have you had that experience in life where the life's twists and turns place you in a place so unimaginable you just have to say to yourself, is this real? Am I in a nightmare? How is it, I can picture David saying, how is it that my own son is out to take my life? I can imagine David looking back over his life and recalling God's faithfulness while tears rolled down his face, considering being chosen as a king at such a young age, slaying a giant, running from Saul, fighting the Philistines, the prophet Nathan coming to him and exposing his sin. The list goes on and on and on. David is recalling his track record with God in the middle of the night. I imagine David meditating on the goodness of the Lord. He can't help but to conclude 
in verse 7 that the Lord has been his help. There was no room to boast. The Lord had clearly been his help. Even his meditation here has birthed a desire in his heart to sing for joy. David could faithfully and joyfully sing that he has never failed me yet. Just so that we can see what depending on the Lord can do for you, let's look at 2 Samuel 18, verses 7 and 8. Again, the context is that Absalom is pursuing David with an army of men, and David was fleeing with his army of men. So 2 Samuel 18, 7 and 8 reads, And the men of Israel were defeated there by the servants of David, and the loss there was great on that day, 20,000 men. That's a lot of men to be seeking one person. The battle spread over the face of all the country. And get this, listen to this. And the forest devoured more people that day than the sword. That last phrase, the, forward, the forest devoured more people that day than the sword. Why is that there? Why is that place there? It's there for us to be reminded of the sovereignty of God and, and the fact that God will fight your battles. God has unlimited resources at his disposal at his disposal to fight for us. What an encouragement that we can focus on praising and meditating on, on our Lord and he will fight our battles. It was the Lord that, did, that delivered victory that day. Looking back at Psalm 63, David's reflection on faithfulness moves him to following his Redeemer. You see in verse 8, David declared that his soul clings to God. The word cling there has multiple meanings, such as to stick to, to be joined to. But the one I like most is to pursue hard or to follow hard after. The word carries the meaning of someone chasing after someone and not allowing them to move to the left or to the right without missing a step. David is committing to following hard after the Lord Keep in mind, again, this circumstance. The context makes this declaration all the more glorious. David, while running from his son, is meditating on the Lord and following hard after him. This is the power of God's unfailing love in the life of a believer. David isn't committing to the Lord to gain favor or protection to the Lord. David is committing to following God because he has already received favor and protection from the Lord. David is essentially saying, my own flesh and blood might be out to kill me, but I'm following hard after the Lord. How might our lives look different if we committed ourselves to following hard after the Lord? We've committed to following hard after the latest news headlines. We follow hard the heartbeat and pulse of the social justice movement. We follow hard after the latest coronavirus stats. There are many things. We follow hard after the latest news of, of a second stimulus check. We, we follow that hard because we want, we want a second check. There are good things that we can follow hard after, but have you committed to following hard after the Lord? David's understanding of his nature and his potential to wander couples this statement of, I'm clinging, clinging to the Lord with the reality that the Lord upholds him. Is this not the walk of the Christian life that we hold to his hand? We hold to God's unchanging hand. All the while, it is really God that is holding our hand. This is what Paul declares in 2 Timothy 4, 
18, that the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So as we close, the question I have is, are you thirsting for God? Do you seek him or do you desire to seek him? If Elevation Worship were here this morning, they may say it this way. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Christ. Consider in verse 1, where David thirsts for the Lord. Jesus in John 4 offers the water that David seeks. Jesus tells the woman at the well that whoever drinks of this water he gives will never be thirsty again. Christ forever stands to offer an everlasting drink to those lips that are parched by the effects of sin on the soul. Again, in verse 5, David is satisfied as one who has enjoyed a rich meal. In John 6 and 35, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. When it comes to the hunger and thirst for our souls, Jesus is the only meal we will ever need. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Let us pray. Uh, as David did, that we would seek him and we would find him in our time of need.